answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for being part of the program, both myself and my co-host here. We're both financial advisors. Certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself, helping them plan their financial future. And we're here on the weekends being your financial advisors on the air. Just trying to be part of your life. Yes. Right here on the radio. I'm sorry. Pretty much. And kids going back to school about this time, at least on the West Coast and colleges and whatnot. So some of you, the kids are finally out of the house. Yay. (laughs) Which means time to start (laughs) thinking about retirement. That's exactly it. Uh, and reestablishing the relationship with your uh, spouse. <laughs> We're starting, yeah, reestablishing. Who are you? What do we have in common? <laughs> we can't talk about the, how bad the kids are anymore. We can't complain That's very about funny. Yeah. We can't complain about the kids anymore. All right, if you want to be part of the program, you got a financial question for us, we would love to take your call. Our contact number is 833-99-WORTH. Toll free, it's 833-99-WORTH. And we're going to take a couple calls, and then we're going to talk about how do you avoid a Bernie Madoff type thing on a small scale? Yeah, a local level. Yeah. So we're going to talk about someone in my neighborhood. In our community in which we live. Yeah, who just got sentenced to prison. And 17 years. 17 years. Um, but before we do that, let's take some calls because we want to get right to the calls. Again, 833-99-WORTH. And let's start off in Northern California with Karen. Karen, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to answer my question today. Thank you. Thank you. So my husband and I are both in our mid-50s, and we're having those conversations about who gets to retire first and when that can happen. Um, I pretty much won that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for you. (laughs) I hope he doesn't listen to this show. (laughs) Oh, no, he does. Uh Okay. (laughs) Uh, So the question I have for you is about our return on investment ranges. And I know like most of what you guys do, that one size doesn't fit all, but I wanted to ask the question anyway to get your thoughts. All right. So – Looking back over the last seven to ten, five to ten years, uh, our overall return on investments have been, has been kind of in the range of six to seven percent. Um, currently, we've got um, the majority of our portfolio is in broad index funds, sixty-five uh, percent stock, thirty-five percent bonds in that range. And I was wondering if you would say that we're being too conservative, um, and that that our real target returns should be closer to the 8 to 10% range. Well, look, when you have a fixed income environment, when bonds are paying, government, the 10-year government bond right now is paying 2%. So we are in a period of very low interest rates. Whether they will continue this low indefinitely, that's anyone's guess, right? No, People can't. I mean, it's funny. If you look at uh, where interest rates, feds were going to raise the rates, raise them a few times, now they're going to be reducing them. I mean, uh, no one would have... People weren't predicting that a year or two ago, and kind of all over the place. Yeah. So it's it's a we've had a, a period of time of lower um, interest rates. How how often do you make changes to your allocations? So when do you rebalance, or do you say I want to put more international or less international? I should have more small cap, or I should have more value. Or have you been doing much of that stuff? No, we pretty much kind of let it ride. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> and. I assume you've done some planning. What is the assumed rate of return that you have done in your own financial planning? What what rate of return have you used? Uh, we tend to be conservative, so we assume maybe five percent. Okay, uh, I would. Uh, my recommendation would have been to assume a five percent, uh, but I'd I'd be I'm very comfortable with the sixty five thirty five. Extremely comfortable. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, when do you plan on retiring? 
me or when am I going to let him retire? No. <laughs> so you're retiring now, apparently, because you won. When does no, he retire? In the next, in the next uh, several years. And, and for him, uh, you know, we probably figure he's going to work for seven to ten Okay. So uh, one thing is to, is to look at it and say to make sure you've got four to five years worth of retirement income outside of the stock market. So I I mean we can make a case for having more stocks in your portfolio. I could right. I could I could build a case for easily. Look at historical rates of return, uh, your life expectancy, etc. But the real but then I also I've lived through two major bear markets and I've watched how people react. Yeah. And I've watched people ignore my advice because they're so scared and do things that are detrimental to themselves. So there's there's a reason that people have money outside of stocks. It's not just for short-term needs. It's also for psychological needs. Because yeah. when when things are when things are bad, it feels like they're going to be bad forever. Mhm. And so much like when markets are bad, people actually spend less money and when markets are good, they actually spend more money. Um they uh, which is why we create these Cycles that's in why the we create the cycles. Yeah, that's right? why they're created. So that's how they're created. I, assuming going into retirement, you will have no debt? Correct. Okay. And how much cash do you have, like, sitting on the sidelines in banks or CDs or something along that line? Uh, I think we have about 250 right now. All right. So $250. I'm, yeah, yeah. So 65% stock and 35%. I think you're fine. And assuming a 5% rate of return, I think you're fine. Just don't let the portfolio get too far away from yourself. So at least six months, every six months, you want to run this portfolio through a screen in order to make sure that it's still 65-35. Because in an up market, what's going to happen is it's going to start overweighting equities to 70, 75, 80%. It will creep. And in a down market, we'll do exactly the opposite. So at least twice a year, preferably Four times a year, you run it through a screen to make sure that it's 65-35. So you're selling when the markets are good and you're buying when they're bad. Okay. Yeah, right? that's great advice. So okay. just do it and you put it on the calendar and just like changing the air filter in your house, it's on the calendar. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Not everyone does that? No. It just reminded me, what was the last time I changed those air filters? <laughs> it's on the calendar. Uh, and, you, and you run it through once I'm a quarter. Sure my husband has that on our calendar. Right? He's probably an engineer of some sort. <laughs> no, that'd be me. Okay. And your wife has it on the calendar. My not wife you, absolutely has it on the calendar. Why would I don't need to have it on the calendar? My wife has it on the calendar. Well, no one in the Hansen family has it on the calendar. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> anyway, appreciate the call. Congrats on winning. And, and frankly, there's a uh, – there's. Well, although the AC person might tell me that the air filters are more important than your retirement portfolio. I mean, I think that um, when you kind of weigh out, uh, <laughs> yes. you want to make sure your portfolio is balanced or your air filters are clean. But my point think. being is it needs to be on the counter. Otherwise, you won't do it. And you need to do yeah. it. Because if you're going to manage the money yourself, you got to own every part of it, just not the parts you like. Yeah, good point. Agree. Thank you so All much. All right, Karen. Wish you well. Yeah. And let's continue on again if you want to join the show. Toll-free, 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Kathleen. Kathleen, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McClain, all Worth's Money Matters. Hi. How are you? Great. Great. Well, my question is, is I worked um, for the public schools for 25 years. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) 2009, I retired and started my pension. Um, Since... I was fully vested or whatever they call that um, with state teachers. Um, I was told that at 66, I would, for Social Security, I would only get like 250 or something like that a month. I am turned, just turned 65, and um, I'm still working full time. Um, my husband and I are the parents of seven children, so you don't retire, wow. you expire. <laughs> what did you say? You don't retire, you expire? Is that what you said? Yes. I don't think I heard that one. Okay. <laughs> anyway, hopefully I won't do that, but I'll be able to retire again. Well, God but bless you. Anyway, anyway, they said I, I will turn 66 next February. Um, and what I was wondering is since I'm – putting money into Social Security again at this point, I'm hoping to work until I'm at least 70. Um, 
would I be better off waiting until I'm 70 to take Social Security? Will I increase my benefit or should I just take it at 66 when I'm have full retirement or whatever. So the, the answer is yes and yes, right? Which is uh, you can start it at 66 and the benefit will go up because you're putting more contributions than you're currently employed. But but waiting will go up more. So so if assuming you have a normal life expectancy, is that the case? You did raise seven children. So it's assuming you have a close to normal life expectancy. Yes. Okay. And then the second I'm thing, right do you need the money to live right now at age 60? Um, not was, would it be no, good to have? Would do you need it to live? Not necessarily. Okay. Then you should wait till age 70. Okay. And, and can you take it in at any time between 66 and 70? You could, anytime you, you want. Could, you could take it today. It wouldn't make sense to take it today because uh, you're, you're still, still working. working. But anytime right. between now and the age of 70, you you. Every month, it. every month you wait, the benefit's going to go up, approximately three quarters of a percent. Okay. And it's going to okay. go up two reasons. One is that you're you're working and contributing to Social Security. Right there itself is going to increase your benefit. But just the fact that you waiting beyond your normal retirement age till age seventy, um, or whatever month, you know, every month it's going to increase the benefit. So you're better off because basically the it. The net present value, the value from the government standpoint, is the same. Whether you take it at 62, let's assume you were retired. You take it at 62 or age 70, it's the same number. It's just if you take it at 62, they're paying eight more years. So if they wait till 70, it's not like you're getting more money from Social Security. It's just you've, you've, you haven't received it all those other years. Now, if you live beyond a normal life expectancy, uh, then you can make the argument, well, it was good, it was good that I waited, but we don't know. We do it's know the same, that you're the number's better, the same. We we don't we do know you're better off taking it at age 70 yep. you are. Yep. Okay. Okay, great. All right, Thank Kathleen. You so Thank much. you. Yeah. Enjoy mm-hmm. the enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yeah. And again, if you want to be part of our program, love to take your call, answer your question. The contact number is 833-99 worth. We're talking with Raul. Raul, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Um, had a question regarding an old um, universal life policy that I took out in 1987, and uh, I almost forgot about it. But uh, I was wondering if there is any way that I can leverage that policy uh, as an investment. I uh, uh, came across a radio show where uh, the the speaker was leveraging uh, life insurance contracts and funding the life insurance contracts right now as a means of uh, putting together a nest egg for the future. So I wondered if there was, if that made sense from uh, from your standpoint to do something like that. What? Well, so I, I I've heard there's lots of infomercials on radios these days talking about how to trade your money into wealth. Um, one guy was like, he was a, a, he's a pastor. So I guess God's going to teach you how to trade so you can, when you trade, you're, you're just taking zero sum games. You're taking money from somebody else, which is always an interesting concept. <laughs> why? I don't know why that's somehow biblical, but anyway, um, but, and then the, the, I know there's people out there that, that play kind of this life insurance game where, where they talk about how the fact that the taxation on the life insurance that grows tax deferred and then you take your money Definitely. out tax free because tax law allows the dollars to come out uh, FIFO, which is first in, first out, which means you can pull your principal out and then you borrow against the rest of the contract. And then when There's you no die, tax consequences you never pay taxes. And this is how the Rockefellers do it. Does this story sound familiar? That sounds very familiar. <laughs> All right, so let me back up a little further. Both Pat and myself started our careers for a couple of years with a firm that was owned by a life insurance company. So, and we would get, it's like most of the training, all it was was whatever the financial problem was, retirement, college savings, whatever it was, life insurance was the solution. And they had all these complex ways of structuring things. And, there, and frankly, we both we both have chartered financial consultant designations, which is a financial planning designation that has a couple extra courses just on insurance contracts. So we understand this stuff so well that 
the vast majority of the time, we think whole life insurance, universal life insurance is a waste. People are much better off with just term insurance and avoiding all those expensive, expensive contracts. Now, now, so there can be a place for uh, cash value life insurance policies, but it isn't uh, it, it, it isn't as common as it once was because of the changes in the tax law, significant changes right. in the tax law, and it's relatively expensive. So tell us what what do you have yeah. and what are you trying to do? So what's this policy worth? What's the face value on it? What's the uh, cash value on it? It's worth fifty thousand. Uh, the annual premium is nineteen hundred, and um, there are a few years where I've skipped the uh, the premium, uh, and the policy, of course, was still in effect. And so, as I mentioned, I almost forgot about how much. It. How much is the cash value if you cashed it in today? Uh, let's see. It's not very much. I think it's only about twelve thousand. And you're paying nineteen hundred dollars a year in this? Well, I had been. I haven't. How, how old are you? In quite a while. Uh, I'm sixty nine. And and uh, are you retired? No, but uh, actually, that leads to another question. If if I can have two questions. Yeah, let's let, let me let me so, drill a little further on this, then we'll move on. Sure. So here's what you actually you have a you have a policy that has a it'll pay you fifty thousand dollars at your death. And you have $12,000 cash in there. So essentially, you have $30,000 worth of life insurance that you are paying for every year. Whether or not you make your $1,900 year premium, they're taking it. If you look at your annual statement, you can see they're taking it out of your $12,000, paying for that $38,000 of life insurance. And they call this cost of insurance. Yeah. You surrender this thing if tomorrow. You, well, if you are in relatively good health, you'd be much better off going and buying a term policy for a period of time for $38,000. Uh, odds are it's going to be less expensive than the way this universal life policy is working. For right. one, yeah. you bought this in 87. Most right. of the people who bought the policy have have uh, surrendered them by now or died. No. Right. What happens yeah. when people are healthy? Who keeps them? The sick people keep them. Sick people keep sure. them. So what ends yeah. up happening is these insurance companies build these things in blocks, and every year or whatever period of time, they'll issue a new contract. And so the people that are still having this, um, the ones that say, no way, I'm never spending this, as Pat said, they're probably the ones that aren't as healthy. So the insurance company knows that. So from a mortality table standpoint, the longer you have this, the more they're going to charge internally. So if uh -huh. you need life insurance and if you're in reasonably good health, this probably is not keeping this pro policy is probably not the best thing going forward. But okay. I don't want to tell you without knowing anything more about you just to cancel it. Cause sure. you, know, you got, yeah, some... well, I, uh, and I, you know, my health picture isn't uh, that great uh, at this time. I uh, uh, had major surgery and to make a long story short, it was a cancer diagnosis. So um, it, it may make sense to hang on. Well, to then it. keep it. Then keep it. But you might not want to pay the pay premium either. Yeah. Right. Just yeah, watch I mean, that I, cash you know, value and down the and road. see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Cash value will drop if I don't make the payment. That's correct. That's fine. Yeah. Correct. Correct. In okay. an ideal situation, the cash value will be $1 the day you die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense then and, uh, from that perspective. Right. To hang on to it. Okay. Yes. So you had another question for us. Yes, um, it's actually more of a personal question, but uh, as I mentioned, I'm 69. I'm uh, on a leave of absence from work right now. I have a projected um, social, social Security amount that will uh, be effective when I hit 70 in October. So my question was, if I continue working, will that number continue to go up, or is that fixed? Yes, no, it keeps going up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so the longer to keep working. Yeah. It is, yeah. If you're 70 years old, you're 75, you continue to work, you're putting into the, assuming you haven't hit the maximum benefit, which you probably have not, um, it'll, it'll keep adding to it. Excuse me. And the maximum is what? 20. Well, for a 60, for someone at full retirement, it's, it's, um, 20, 2,800 bucks a month. Yeah. But that, but if you wait till age 70, that's got an increase on it yeah, from there. So 30, I, I think it's like 32 or 30. Higher than that. Three. I think. So it goes so up. The estimate. The estimate was 36 right now. Okay. Well, then you're probably close to the max. You might be at the max. Uh-huh. So then the only increase you'd have was cost of living. Got it. Okay. That's right. kind of what I thought, but I, I wanted to uh, get that validated with someone. Yep. Yeah. 30. And we were as close as you could get. 
<laughs> All right, I appreciate the call. Okay, thank you right, very much. Good, it was very helpful. Good. Great. Have, enjoy you. the rest of your weekend. All right, at the top of the program, we had made mention that we are going to talk about how to how can you prevent the next kind of small scale Bernie Madoff, or at least do them. I watched just in the last week or two. I watched there's a um, I watched it on an airplane, a documentary on Bernie Madoff. Kind of went through his whole thing. It's kind of still amazing. It's been a long time, but but this was in my neighborhood, and we mentioned about this uh, about a year ago when it became news. Um, David Reimers. I don't know if it's Reimers or Reimers. How did you know this guy? Kind of. He lived. Your old house. Twenty houses down from me. Your old house. Yes. Your old house. Yes, but I lived there almost ten years. And so, I drive by, kids about the same age, wave. I'd bump into him every once. I'd bump into him once or twice a year, maybe. Did you know the, he was in the industry? Yes, or, he was in financial services. He was actually in the industry of stealing he, money from people. But um, yes, he may or may not have been at that time. I don't know. But it, uh, he was arrested a year ago. I believe I saw him out on bail with his wife, which was quite sad a few months ago, walking down. Because I live in El Dorado Hills. It's a small community in uh, yeah, yeah. a suburb of Sacramento. Uh, anyway, just, nice. He does? No, where you live sounds nice. <laughs> uh, so he was found guilty of 10 different criminal uh, counts of stealing $1.8 million from seniors. Elderly people. Elderly people. In small amounts, not like... Some guy with twenty million How stole one point eight million. One point eight. Seventeen years. Seventeen years. So I saw this and I thought, you know, wait, 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 before we go on to this, that that is a big sentence for that dollar amount. Historically speaking, I think it has to do with who he stole from, and it was the state attorney general who prosecuted. It wasn't a local. It'd be like the federal government coming after it, equivalent yes. of the federal government oh, yeah. coming after you. State government. I mean, because sorry, the state attorney general's office. 17 Not years. the one you want after you. Yes, 17 But he years. stole from seniors, elderly. People elder that, abuse. Yes, it's, yes. It's elder abuse. So he's sentenced to 17 years. And the thing I thought about this is, how could somebody avoided this, right? If this was your mother... Or your father. What could you have done to avoid this? Well, fortunately, there is an organization called FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, that has a tool called BrokerCheck. BrokerCheck. And with BrokerCheck, you enter somebody's name, maybe their zip code if you want to get a little more specific because there may be more than, say, one Scott Hansen out there. And it will tell you if there's been any regulatory findings against this person, any disclosures, as they call it. It will also state if this individual has been, is licensed. Has tax liens. Or has ever been licensed. So, I just hear. And their educational background. Correct? Yes. And disclosures. I use broker check at least twice a month. Someone's name comes up in the industry. The first thing we do, we go to broker check. We have, a, we have 50 plus advisors at Allworth Financial. Before anyone becomes part of our team, we do extensive background. The very first place you go is broker check. Before, if simple. someone sends in a resume, before you even call them, you go to broker check. So in this situation, I just Googled broker check. Here's all you have to do. You want to check on your advisor? Someone's recommended. I Google broker check. There it is, David Williams Rhymers. And I feel bad like it's because my neighbor, but I didn't cause this problem. It shows he was previously a registered broker and previously a registered investment advisor. So this, when did he drop his uh, registration? Years ago. So he's not, he was never, uh, he wasn't even licensed. He previously was. Yes. So what happens? He got into trouble. And he left the industry. He left the industry. On paper. But didn't tell the people that he took money from. In 2010... He uh, left the. He was disbarred from the industry because he borrowed seventy five thousand dollars from one of his customers, despite the fact that the firm he worked for it was against their procedures. It's it's Is illegal. It? It's against the rules for right. to borrow from your customers. Yes, for good reason. Yes, right. So um, he was suspended. 
in all capacities for three months. He's but out. then he ended up dropping his fines altogether, and he just continued on as an unlicensed, unregistered, whatever and he, investment advisor. And he made up himself. his own statements. He had his own uh, website. Made up his own statements. People would give him money. He would go to a printer and make up his own statements. Yep. By the way, most, most, most firms watermark their paper. So all someone would have had to do is do broker check, and you would have seen this. You would have seen the customer display disputes. You would have seen the liens. You would have seen that he borrowed $75,000 and was kicked out from the brokerage industry. So the moral of this story is before you give any money to anyone, Google their name and then just Google their name, number one, and go to broker check. And and put in their name, broker check. You'll get all the background. We're going to take a quick break. Broker check. Do it. This is All Worth Money Matters. We'll be right back. Get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Do you have a financial question that needs answering? Call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McClain. By the way, we are Allworth. We're the same company, same Two guys that have been doing the radio show for 24 years. Same advisors that have been in the industry for almost 30 years. Why did we change our name then? We changed our name because we have our footprint. We Look, we started in Sacramento. We were young. We didn't <laughs> we know said, any better. What do we call ourselves? We have two of us and one part-time employee. Yeah. Actually, our first part-time employee quit before she started. She went to Texas on vacation. Shelly. And, and <laughs> Shelly <laughs> met some guy and didn't come back. Yes, that was right. And uh, and then Stacy came to work for us. I can't yeah. remember. Believe I remember all this, but and, and then anyway, Julia, who's still with us. Yes, and so it was just got, still, and a lot of people have been with we us. We now because we provide uh, a conduit first aid planning, tax services, company four hundred one ks. It's moved beyond the two of us, and we wanted a name that better reflected what we do, which is we deal with all of the worth all of the worth, and we're in multiple states at this point in time. Yes, so we felt having a name that was better reflective of who we are and where we're going, still okay. same great roots. And less Irish-sounding. people. And yeah, and we've had other advisors. That, there are roughly 50 or so advisors that work for us, work with us, excuse me. Yes. And I just like the fact that they're not working under Mr. Hansen and Mr. McLean's banner, frankly. Yep, as do they. As do they. Because, yeah. as Pat said to them, all our names on the building now. Yes. All worth. All of us. <laughs> so that's why we rebranded to All Worth Financial, but we are still very much the same company, still locally headquartered here in Northern California. But, again, we have offices in um, several different cities, and we have clients in every state of the union. And... Um, Many districts as well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There. I don't. I'm sure we have clients in the Washington. I started thinking, do we have any in Puerto Rico? I'm like, no, no. I can't imagine. Mm-mm. Although you know that Puerto Rico, we'll take Carlson in a minute. Puerto, if you live in Puerto Rico as a U.S. citizen, you don't have to pay federal income taxes. I did not know that. You have no federal income taxes. How is that? How about Guam? Or Maybe American Samoa? Same. I don't. I don't know about those There's territories. Territories. Puerto Rico, zero federal income taxes. I don't know what the state... So How I, about... Like, I could move to... No, I yes. can't... Are you sure? Yes, I've had, I, I've had advisors who have moved there tell me that how stupid I am to remain in the 50 states that I should go to Puerto Rico to avoid uh, any federal income taxes. I'd pay the federal income tax before I moved to Puerto Rico. Well, that was what I said. <laughs> What? <laughs> this was before the big hurricane. Yeah, made it all worse. Yeah, and the rioting. 
that has taken place recently. Yeah, and David, and well, and yeah. the people that have, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. pretty rough. And you know, it's funny is uh, we our roots are here. Our roots are in California. We have a majority of, frankly, of our clients. Yeah, probably still in California, high tax state. But sometimes people say, I can afford to stay here. I like it here. I'm staying here. Yeah. That's choice. what a lot of people tend to do. Anyway, let's uh, take some calls here to join uh, the program. 833-99-WORTH is the contact number. Again, toll free, 833-99-WORTH. We're in Sacramento talking with Stephen. Stephen, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Uh, mine's a, mine is a two-part tax question. All right. Okay, uh, I would like to donate, or I was going to give a contribution to a charity, and I was going to do it by selling uh, some stock and then taking the, the money from that and then donating that money to the uh, charity. But I, um, I was thinking, wait a minute, if I do that, I'll get taxed uh, uh, for capital gain. Yep. So I thought, well, then maybe I'm better off just by donating the stock directly to yes. the charity and let... That is a better idea. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, absolutely. If you have the ability to gift appreciated assets yeah. to a charity. This is, by the way, if you, anybody out there that is giving any amount of money more than, let's say, 500 bucks a year. This is the way to do yes. it. Yes. So, let's ask a little bit about the charity because some charities have the ability to take Stocks well, any or large mutual, ones, large ones, small ones don't. But there's a way around that, um, which is by using it, what's called a gift trust, donor advised fund, or a donor advised oh. fund. So tell me about the charity you're giving the a stock to. Okay, the charity is a um, is a senior organization. It hosts lunch and community events. Okay, so it's small. Uh, I, it's pretty small. Uh, has a clientele maybe two hundred people. Okay. Well, okay. first, so I would ask them, Stephen, say, look, can you guys accept uh, stock or mutual fund shares of securities as a donation? If they say they, if they say they cannot, you can set up a donor advised fund at many of the large institutions: Charles Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade. Um, you can, and they're very simple. And what happens with that? You take your securities and you just instruct them. Let's say you want to transfer $1,000. You say, please t right. transfer, uh, and you, you just calculate how many shares that's going to be, and it's going to work out close to it because you're not going to know the exact price that the data transfers. So you say, please transfer X number of shares of ABC Company to my this nonprofit, and they do that. And then whatever the uh, average trading price was that day between the high and the low, that is the value of your gift. And as long as you've held the shares for more than 12 months, you are eligible for a tax deduction for that. And you do not have to pay capital gains on it. So in, okay. let, so I'll tell you how my wife and I manage this. So okay. throughout the year, we know how much uh, approximately we're going to give to charity throughout the year. We don't know exactly dollar for dollar what charities they're going to go to. That changes over time. Now that I've found out Scott Hansen's wife is involved with CASA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you like that? I know. In El Dorado County, I'll probably uh, kick, kick some money there. that way. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll actually transfer appreciated assets in the form of either exchange-traded funds, stocks, or mutual funds. Or real estate. Or real estate to this gift fund. Once it gets in there, it's liquidated. We liquidate it and it goes in cash. And Scott Hansen's wife calls up and said, hey, Pat, can you give $1,000 to CASA? I just go online. I type in the name of the uh, charity and their ID, tax ID number, and it populates the field. I say, okay, I'm going to give $1,000 here. It comes right out of this account and goes to the charity. Simple. It is so simple. We give to our church the same way. We give to the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services the exact same way. It all comes out of this account. I get the deduction when the money goes in, not when it's given away. Okay. What is that process called again, please? It's called a, a donor advised fund or a gift trust. It goes by both names. Um, okay, and them. it's okay. uh, they're available through if, if you've got a financial advisor, we set them up for our clients and our firm all the time. Yes. Um, 
all the time. We recommend them as a great way if you're charitably inclined to give money away. Now, now you can replicate that stock you just gave away or that mutual fund immediately. So even oh, okay. if I wanted to keep that particular holding, I give $10,000 of that holding away. I turn around and buy $10,000 back in my portfolio and I've reset my cost basis on it, which is a good thing. There's a okay. limit. There's a limit for tax deduction. It's a, first of all, you have to itemize your deduct deductions and it's limited to 30% of your adjusted gross income. So just as a and rough example, you're giving away 30% of your adjusted gross income, Stephen, you are an incredible but, man, but it also carries forward to other years. So let's say you have a particular stock you own. That's way up in value and think, boy, I'd like to give this over the next number of years. Stocks high now. I don't want to incur any tax liability by having capital gains. You can transfer to a donor advised fund or a charity. Actually, donor advised fund at that particular point would make sense. You get the tax deduction uh, that year, and whatever you can't use that year carries forward to future years. Okay. You kind of answered my second question, which was, is there a cap or, or a limit on how much you could donate uh, in, in stock? I guess my question it's, was yeah. So it's thirty. And it's actually that's if, it's a, for, if it's a private foundation, I believe the limit's twenty percent, not thirty percent. So if it's a private foundation, uh, and if cash is up to fifty percent, so um, oh, those are the limits. But there. for stocks, you get the deduction up to appreciated asset. And if you haven't held the asset for at least twelve months, you don't get the the, the tax deduction is limited to your cost basis, not the um, fair mark fair market value. Yeah. Okay, because all my stock is long term. Perfect. It's only one stock. Uh, I was just curious, though, like you said, there is a limit um, for a, t a given tax year, so that if I have to do a carryover, that actually affects the following year how much I could donate then because I have to. That's, that's have correct. To... That's correct. Uh, that's correct. That's okay, correct. Okay, okay. But okay. but it's but you could carry it forward for five years. So if you think this thing is at a high, yeah, then yep. then do it. That's so when I when when I do it, I use it as a time to rebalance my when I rebalance my portfolio. Yes. And if you just said you I, have, you're, if you're highly weighted in one particular stock, all my all my stuff is in one stock. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's not, that's not really good advice. I know. No, I know. Well, I, but <laughs> it might have made you wealthy, but, though. but it's done well for you. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, diversification is not a key to get wealthy. It is designed to protect portfolios. So it is a risk management. Yes, risk tool. management, oh, not wealth enhancement. Okay. Now, you, if you have some wealth in one particular stock, clearly it would make some sense to diversify. This is clearly this is a great strategy to maybe even front load several years worth of charitable contributions if that's what you're inclined to do. Might also be an opportunity to look at um, some other ways to. Uh, take advantage of uh, to a, 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 um, a charitable gift trust yes. or something along those lines. I'd actually, okay. um, if so you, if it's significant uh, dollar amount, uh, it may make sense to sit down a with more a planning. qualified advisor or uh, 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 an attorney that would specialize in the yeah, state's or gifts. Charitable remainder okay. trust or something along those lines as a way to diversify that stock without incurring the capital gain taxes. Yeah. A, a charitable remainder trust may make sense for you. Yeah. Okay, right. okay, but you're on yeah. the right track. Absolutely. What a great way to give money! What a great thing to do! Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm getting up in years, so I thought I'd start doing stuff. Well, like you know that. what? I I mean, it was just uh, Warren Buffett just announced that he just gave he announced years ago he's going to give away a bunch of money, and just uh, a few weeks ago said he's giving away all his cash. Look, you can't take the stuff with you, right? Uh, so yeah, you're right. You can't you take it with you. I've, so you're going to give it away at some point in time, either while you're living or at your death. And I think it's uh, wonderful that um, you're just, doing this while you're, you can still see what's happening with yeah, it. Yeah, just don't tell yeah. your kids. Yeah, don't tell the kids. <laughs> don't tell your kids. No, no children here. No children. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. If you'd like to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH. Love to take your call as well. And we'll talk with Tony. Tony, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Great. How are you doing, Tony? All right. Um, had a couple questions. Um, I recently, uh, actually, it'll be about a year, I left a government job, and then three years before that, I left a federal government job. And leaving those two successive positions, I have a thrift savings account for my second previous employer. I have a CalPERS pension account with my previous state employer, and I also have a private uh, 401k account that was funded through the state as well. My current employer um, contributes 20% on top of my salary. 
to a managed pension plan, which I cannot contribute to with my salary. Uh, I'm wondering. What is a small? Do, do you have a small employer? Uh, yeah, it's a, the company is approximately 50, uh, 50 employees. Okay, okay, that is a that yeah. is a rich, rich, rich benefit. Appreciate that. Is Tell it, your coworkers is, is how the, great that is. Is it the type of company where there's yeah. a few people that make substantial earnings and a lot of people that don't make much? Um, no, that's oh. not necessary. It's okay. not really that top heavy. Interesting plan. It's not the top heavy. That's actually the term they use in pensions. So, yeah. Um, all right. What's your question for us? So my question is the, I, I have about a uh, little over 130,000 in those accounts. Um, those previous accounts, and I'm wondering what to do with them. They're making good returns. I mean, on average, it's about 8%. Um, But I'm wondering, moving forward, should I roll all three of them into a single IRA and then continue outside of my employer plan contributing to them? I would not not move the CalPERS pension plan. So what is that? When you said the CalPERS, is that part of your defined benefit yes. pension plan? Is that, or is it, it contributions for your 401k or 457? It's a defined benefit pension plan. Now, the issue that I have is I am not vested. I still, if I were to go back, I would need to put in two more years of service time to qualify for the benefit. You might do that. So I might, I might do that later on, and that wouldn't be for probably 30 years or Which so. Which would be to your benefit. I like that, Scott. I agree with that. Oh, I, I had I, I had dinner with somebody recently, who um, was asking me about he he took the money out thinking he was never going to go back. Now he's back and he was talking to me about does it make he's got to come up with the money to to repay it. Yeah, and he says that was the stupidest thing I ever did. I'm like, well, don't knock yourself. It was the right maybe. So so you had a, what that is is it's a deferred vested pension, a DVP uh, from CalPERS. In fact, leave I had that. Uh, leave that. The other two, I would roll it into your company 401k. I, he doesn't I have a 401k. Can't roll it. Oh. I can't roll it into my – yeah, so it's not a 401k. Yeah, I just have... roll it into an IRA then. And the reason you just okay. roll it into IRA is just for ease of management. Then you have one account. And it's one account. And you'll have the same investment mm-hmm. choices. In fact, you'll have a lot more inside of an IRA than you do in these plans. And it's just for ease of administration. Okay. Yeah. But That's we, great. So yeah. in terms of different uh, different options and, and actual – actualized returns i mean is is somewhere in between eight and ten percent feasible or is it something that's really more conservative ah. i mean i'm not looking to retire until probably 59 and a half i can i can so hear I in the ba- i can hear in the background while you're not yeah, really I, I, I hear those little liabilities <laughs> screaming right now well th- those actually aren't mine uh, oh. but they're, they're around they're around so, so how, I, I still how old are you 26 okay i'm 44 yeah I would think over a long, over long term, I think using an assumption of seven percent is probably realistic over a long period of time. Assuming okay. that your portfolio is heavily uh, weighted equity, it maybe you'll, maybe you'll earn a little bit better than that. If you look back almost the last hundred years in 1925, stocks have returned about ten percent a year mm-hmm. on average. Some years massively high, some years absolutely dreadful. Uh, they mm-hmm. lost money historically about every four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have down years. So you, get, you have time on your side. But inflation has historically done about 3%. So if you can earn 6 to 7% above inflation on stocks, I think over the next 25 years, I don't. that's something to assume. I don't know whether that's going to come out exactly that, but that's the kind of uh, estimation I'd use. But you're going to have great years and you have bad years. But I think I'd do planning, maybe use a, being I'd this use, young. I'd use this six. I'd use a 6% planning, and if you do better, then that's great. But it's always okay to have too much money. You don't want to run out of money, yeah. right? I mean, better to better to be a little more conservative. And assume it, that's not easy to get 6%. That assumes that you don't do any bad choices when the markets are going south. Mm-hmm. Like Correct. sell out and move to gold or something at the wrong time, right? I mean, <laughs> right. I mean that's, that's what people do. Okay. All righty. Awesome. Well, well, thanks a lot, guys. Really pres- appreciate it. Thank appreciate you, Tony. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. With all those little kids running around. Yeah, that aren't even his. <laughs> <laughs> Which begs the question. I, didn't, I know it did, <laughs> but I didn't want to ask. Because okay. it's his business. Maybe he runs a babysitting service on the... Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> did, Schwarzenegger did. Daddy, that. was that kindergarten? Daddy, K, day, oh, was that kindergarten cop? Daddy, Daddy daycare. daycare. Thank you, Pedro. Pedro. Our producer, Pietro, who our producer, who uh, does, or is Jasmine our producer? I don't know. What Jasmine's, Jasmine's the producer. The producer. 
And Pietro's just here. Pietro runs all the equipment. Yeah. I don't know. And apparently watches a bunch of really bad comedies. (laughs) Is that bad comedy? Yeah, it was pretty Uh, bad. It was pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Have you watched it more than once? I don't think I've seen it in its entirety. Okay. They all kind of blend together. It's the same storyline. Some of them don't. So many movies, it's the same storyline, just told a different way. Come on. Like the Griswolds with the... The Griswolds? The Vacation Series... Oh, those were classics. Like they're not gonna Caddyshacks, the old one. <laughs> I watched Eddie Murphy was Daddy Daycare. Thank oh. you, Peter. I watched Arnold Schwarzenegger was Kindergarten. Cop. I watched Caddyshack in the last year. It wasn't nearly as funny as <laughs> no? I remembered it being. A lot of those movies when I was a younger person were Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Not quite as funny. <laughs> no. It's actually some kind of Ghostbusters. Never funny. <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> Now, Dumb and Dumber is always a classic, and that one never well, gets old. But that's it never gets story. old. My yeah. wife will say, you're not really watching that again, are you? Dumb and it's Dumb and Dumber. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually what you watch if you're like laying on the couch on uh, Saturday afternoon. You get tired of golf. <laughs> I'm going to watch Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you tell me there's a chance. All right. Let's <laughs> we find ourselves. See, you're entertained just I thinking about some funny. of those silly scenes. I'm going to go home and watch it tonight, but my go. wife would never watch it with me. No. So your wife, no, much... no, she shouldn't watch it. I like I'm homesick or something. Oh. You're flipping around and dumb and dumber. You got to stop at least I was going to say that's got to be true love if you watch wife, because I don't think women watch that sort of dumb and dumber stuff. Am I? <laughs> now you are being awfully sexist. sexist. You're saying, oh, you bet. A, you're saying there's a difference between men and women. That's me. Okay. <laughs> And let's continue on uh, Again, if you want to join the program And there's not a lot of time left in today's show We realize that But you can call further Oftentimes as we pre-record So you can call and schedule a time When we're next in the studio And we can take your call at that time So if you want to be part of the program 833-99-WORTH We're talking with Craig Craig, you're with All Worth's Money Matters Hi, good morning I have a question about a donor Starting a donor-advised fund Yep. And uh, whether that could be a good idea for us, my wife and I. Uh, um, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, we, we give to charity, of course, and, and we're trying to lower our taxes at the same time. And possibly using a bundled um, contribution where you put a lot in one year mm-hmm. and um, you know have a benefit from that. But then also there's a question of using appreciated assets. Uh-huh. Which I, I would like I'd like to do. I do it. I do ex- <laughs> the technique that you just described. It's exactly what I do. Scott? 100% the same. And how do you do it? I do both direct giving as well as donor-advised funds. I try not to do any direct giving. It doesn't really matter. But uh, I think think donor-advised funds work great. And for you out um, that um, are kind of wondering what we're talking about, they're essentially a donor-advised fund. Think of it like a a fund that it's it's like a private foundation, really. Uh, And you, you... Contribute the dollars, you get a tax deduction for it. If you contribute appreciated assets that you've held for at least a year or more, you receive a tax deduction based on the fair market value, not what you paid for, but what it's actually worth today. So you can avoid that capital gains. And then you control how the monies are distributed to what charities they go to. So, so Craig, you, w- yes. what is your most highly appreciated asset other than well, something so inside an IRA? Yeah, no, I have it in a broker's account, and it's my Apple shares. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd like to, so I'd like to give those, and then someone advised me then to potentially just repurchase them, and then I'd have a new cost base. If That's you right. want to, so I have a. It's funny. There's right now I, know, I own no individual stocks. Okay, it's just um, okay. most of my money's in in uh, ETFs, no loads, uh, uh, index funds. Uh, but I owned an individual stock for years, mainly because I knew the uh, person who had started the company and it was doing. But I and I didn't know. But I I think I gifted those shares three, four, maybe even five times, and because it would keep appreciating. Okay. And I and I didn't want to sell it, but I'd say I'm just going to donate those shares, and then the same day I'd turn around and and repurchase the shares. But the oh, question, okay. yeah, yeah, you can, you can do, do that. that. You most certainly can do that. The question is, how much should you have an Apple? I mean, gifting right. it is a great right. diversification yeah. strategy too, right? Right, yeah, I have. It's probably a you know six seven percent. Oh, that's not okay, bad. Okay. That's not that, that's not bad. So absolutely, the idea of uh, of what you're doing, which is donating the most highly appreciated asset. If you want to keep that asset, you repurchase it the same day, 
You get the tax deduction for the face value of the gift. And then you dole those. You do it once every two, three, five years, whatever the number is. You bunch it so you get over the standard deduction for yourself personally. And then you dole them out to charities. And I tell you, if you've never used one, giving to charities is never easier. Never. It is. I like the fact that you get one receipt as well. And then you can donate to 10 charities and... That's it's right. Simple. And you just go online. Yeah. You get their it's tax really ID easy. number. You go online. Um, in fact, sometimes I do it on my way to if, if I, someone, you know, 500 bucks, whatever. Um, and if you don't know me, please don't call me and ask me for a donation. Um, if the call at $500, I'll actually, when I'm driving to work, I'll just call the uh, donor advice fund on the way to work and say, hey, can you move? <laughs> really? Yeah. Here's the charity. Yeah. It's easy. It's, it's easy. really easy to do online. Yeah, and they, easy. it, it, it I think particularly uh, in the past, these worked better for uh, someone who was really charitably inclined or had a lot of appreciated securities or maybe had a, a particular tax year that had a high income. They still work great for that. Maybe you've got a large capital gain in one, one particular year uh, and doing some planning with using donor advised funds. Again, they almost work like a, like a private uh, foundation. And there's a lot of people that years ago would have set up some sort of family foundation and they don't bother now. And one of the benefits of the donor advised funds versus a private family foundation. Privacy. Is, is visibility. Because yes. at a family foundation, it's public information. What you like, have in hey, there. Hey, look at Craig set up this thing. He's got all this money here. Let's go get money from Craig. Yes. And donor advised funds, they can't see it. <laughs> but it, they work great today right. for a lot of people, just maybe middle income uh, folks, that uh, the, because the 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 deduction we the limitations we have on our standard deductions today are they, you know, we have the increase in standard deduction. We're limited to $10,000 for our state and local taxes. So there's some people that maybe give a decent amount to charity every year but are now going to miss the tax deduction. They might choose to give, say, three years' worth in one year using the donor advice fund, and then over the next three years they dole it out from the donor advice fund. It's a great tax planning. Yeah, team. and right. especially – Works great. And for the rest of the listeners, if you're over age 70 and a half and you're taking required minimum distributions and you're giving money to charities, that that's easy. That is easy. It goes directly to the charities. It stays yeah. off your tax return. Good idea, Craig. We like it. Okay, good. Thank you. All right, thank you. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have this week. Thank you for being part of the program and making this, frankly, making this program great because it wouldn't be without you. Uh, We hope you have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.